Welcome to the Thy Neighbor Podcast, conversations with everyday people who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. I am your host and occasional solo caster, Tracy Robbins King. If you are inspired by this episode and someone comes to mind as you listen, share this with that person. If you have benefited from the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Your ratings, reviews, and shares make a difference and allow this podcast to reach more remarkable people like you. Abby Elsaka owns the food truck, The Falafel Tree, and is from Egypt originally. He has opened restaurants throughout the entire world and has lived in 22 countries. I met him when David and I got food from his truck, and he has delicious falafel. Falafel that is crispy and not too thick and that isn't too dry. It's the best falafel I've had in Utah. I highly recommend that you jump on his Facebook page, Falafel Tree, and you can message them and they will send you the weekly schedule so you can go find his truck here in Salt Lake City. I'm so excited to have Abby on the podcast today. And of course, Abby, tell us a little bit about how you even got to Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you so much for the introduction and the lovely words. I appreciate that so much. And I'm so happy and glad that uh, we bumped into each other in, uh, in this beautiful sandy place. Oh, man, that was like, I didn't know that Utah even existed. I never heard about it before. And it's weird because I came straight from Egypt, born and raised in Alexandria, Egypt, all my life. I've been through the world. And you can say I'm a man that was around the block for two dozen times and uh, and never heard about Utah at all. When I, and when I decided to uh, come and do this project, it was just in Utah by total coincidence. I got a friend that uh, was born here in the United States, and uh, his family are my neighbors, and he lives in Texas, so not even Utah. And, and he always comes in the summertime and visit the family, and then we bump into each other, and he comes and eats in my restaurants there. And I, I used to have a a chain of pizza restaurant in Egypt. I used to have more than 10 of them, 11 or something. And then they were very popular and he loved it. And every time and every summer he comes and, and see me, oh man, you need to come to the States. Your food is great. You, you will do this and do that. And he's talking pizza. So it was very weird. And on one occasion in, in the summer of 2016, five years after I was fighting to survive my business, which was very hard, after the revolution, the Arab Spring the revolution that we had in Tahrir Square revolution we had in 2011 in Egypt and among other Arab countries as well. That was like five years of, of fighting the collapse of the economy and we lost the value of uh, our Egyptian pound toward the other currencies and especially the US dollar. So uh, more than three, four times. So every everything, imagine everything quadrupling uh, one day. So you go in and fill your gas tank and then the, the pump will show... I know it's expensive these days, but imagine when when it was like $4 a gallon and then it's suddenly 15 or 16. So like, what? No, I can't. And then that will happen to the people. Uh, everything, the mozzarella cheese, the flour uh, ingredient that we will use in, in pizza every day, doubled and then tripled and then quadrupled. So people wouldn't eat pizza. They would just do, especially there, some chicken and rice, and then they would feed the whole family. So we lost 60% of our sales. I didn't surrender instantly. I stood firm as the boss of this company, the person in charge, one of the owners, whatever. 
try to survive and, and get the ship to float for not a year or two, but five years. And then at that moment, I was so depressed. I was felt that I did everything that I can as a human being and a, as a learned man. And uh, the stresses was so immense that was affecting my health, so the mental and, and the spiritual health and, and everything that you, you can't recover easy from that. So I, I was like not happy, couldn't sleep, get anxiety. And I'm, I'm a person that never had that before. And, and I started really to feel bad. And at that point, when he came and re-invited me over again, I said, why not just go? And the plan was, I just take a time out, a break, and come to the state or to the states, open this restaurant with him that he dreamed about since some years now and uh, help him doing that. And, and that's something I, I can do blindfolded. I opened so many restaurants in my life. I opened restaurants in 22 different countries around the world. So that's why I was around the block. And I said, okay, I'll come. And, um, and I booked my ticket heading to Texas. Uh, everything is settled. Uh, I have my visa. I'm a businessman. Uh, the U.S. Embassy, everybody that they know me, they grant me always like five years. And then so it's easy for me to come anytime. And, uh, but I never thought that I would live there or I would stay there or any of this or Utah or any. One month or three weeks, very short notice uh, before flying uh, to Texas. He said, hey, I have a suggestion. I have a project in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, that would take me like uh, a month on the maximum note 40 days and if you would like to come and uh, join me there then we go and go back to texas and do this restaurant you're most welcome if you want to postpone your trip until i'm done that's up to you and i said excuse me just hang on a second where and he what did where did you say and he said utah and i said what what is that like is this in Nicaragua, in Venezuela? And like, what, what is that, Utah? And he said, no, that's a state. And I said, no, I know the United States. And what is, no states. I know them, like the 50 states, I guess. And I, I know them probably all. Like, what is Utah? And he said, that's a state. And I said, just change your ticket and come and then you will love it. Uh, so I, I called Ashraf, my uh, diplomat travel. That's this guy who just booked me everywhere, booked my tickets everywhere in the world. And I don't even need to pay. So it's, in Egypt, it's very beautiful, like the fashion thing. You just uh, get pick the phone, call the guy, he book you. You don't have to worry. He will get you the best connection, the best price. We're so pampered. We, you have this luxury style. I said, Ashraf, just change the ticket from Texas to Salt Lake City, Utah. And he said, Mr. Engineer, are you going there to ski? And I said, what ski? He said, yeah, this is this is where everybody goes to ski. And then, Ashraf, I'm a 400 pound guy, six six feet four. What ski? I'm just the, the mountain will tremble be, below me. I'll, I'll fall and break my neck. <laughs> just change the ticket, and and he did that, and and then I flown here. Um, the guy picked me up from the airport, and since he did that, I fell in love. Man, it's it's so obvious that. It's beautiful, those mountains and people smiling, people are courteous. Uh, they nod at you at the traffic light. I said, this is not America that I saw. I've been in, in the States in 2006, the first time. And I remember I was in Washington, D.C. I met some decent people there. But, but you know, large cities everywhere in the world, people are so uh, in a rush and too pragmatic and taking the world so serious and everything is fast and nobody cares about it. It's just whatever lays in their mind and whatever. So here I felt it's different. 
I instantly noticed the the vibe is different. The mountains, the pretty, the weather was beautiful. Like I came in September, so the weather was ideal, was beautiful. And then I thought, oh, I, I love this place. And and then he went and did his business. So he he actually what he does is he goes and rent booths that that, that you find in the in the in the big malls. You find those booths where somebody will sell you like toys or uh, something in uh, cosmetic or whatever. So he, he gets those booths uh, established and, and set his employees there. And he does this and it's so smart. He does this in so many states and he doesn't reside in any of those states. And he just, those will be like the uh, the, the, the chicken or the hen that uh, will, lay, will lay eggs every day for him. So it, that's the business model. So. So he decided to come to you and do that. So it was just the time needed for him to sign those contracts and establish those kiosks. And he would do like embroideries on T-shirts, on cabs, and uh, custom custom made T-shirts and put the pyramids because he has this Egyptian background and people love that. They would love to have the Sphinx on their T-shirt with their name, something like that. So uh, none of my business, nothing of my interest at all. And I was just waiting, roaming around falling in love, falling in love. So by the time he's done with everything and then want to go back to Texas, and I said, man, I ain't going back anywhere. I'm just staying here. And he was like, what? You're not even a citizen. You're not an American citizen. You don't have even a social security number. You'll be able to do anything by yourself. And I said, Shh, just go. I know what I'm doing. I'm a businessman around the world. And that business thing is like the last thing you... You need to worry about I'm I'm going to be fine. That was 2016, so we're six years apart from that day now, right? I, and ironically speaking, I've been into so many states, but not Texas. I never set a foot on Texas up to this day. I'm coming to Texas. I'm heading to open a restaurant. Ending up, I didn't set a foot in Texas up to this moment. I've seen so many other states, but not Texas for a reason. And I just stayed here and and he left and he was calling like every two, three days. He said, this guy gonna gonna call me and come back and whatever. I never, I never went back, never did anything. Wow. Never. How'd you decide on the food truck? Because clearly you did that pretty quickly after you had arrived here. December the 22nd, I arrived on the, September the 12th, 2016. So probably three months later, I bought my first food truck, yeah and uh, started building it with Kevin, my younger brother that I bumped in uh, with him in the street. I didn't I didn't know him at all. Um, and what made me think about the food trucks, I think it's a very smart idea to begin with uh, into any food and beverage business. You go to customers, you don't, you don't wait until the customers come uh, show on, on your doorstep. The food business is, is very crucial business into three aspects and actually some people would say five and and i would love to i I also teach this in the university of utah now uh, in the lifelong program i have a a class uh, on the uh, building your own food truck and your own business and your own restaurant business and whatever so one so the major uh, foundation of that business is is five as i said there are three main main thing but uh, i would say five so number one is location if you want to open a restaurant Number two would be location. Number three would be location. Number four is service. You smile at your customers. You greet them. You treat them with love. You treat them with respect. They will come back. And the food is number five, the quality of the food, because it's 
it's not a big deal to do an acceptable, tasty, delicious food. It's not a big deal. Uh, you use the spices, condiments, you know how to marinate the, some chicken, some beef, or do some nice vegan stuff, and you here you go. You're gonna, you will get an acceptable taste that the customer would love to have uh, if you are fast enough, if you are courteous enough, if you are clean enough and, and following the norm, plus your customer service is excellent, then people, that, that would be, but that wouldn't wouldn't value anything if you open in the, out of nowhere in the desert. Nobody would see you, nobody would come. So the location would be crucial, so important. And the challenge was I was new in the market. I wasn't experienced. And I'm still learning up to this day, six years here in Utah, and I'm still learning. I'm, I don't, I know places that most Utahns don't know because I'm a, I'm, I'm driving everywhere. So my my job is I'm a driver of a truck, but the truck is a food truck. So I go to different places, very remote companies and events and catering for some very remote areas. The no, normal guys wouldn't wouldn't uh, bump into, and but still. Although this, I'm still learning, and I'm still learning uh, where where would be the point of attractions and uh, and what would be the most uh, agreeable place to open a restaurant. But at that time, just some months, I have zero knowledge, so I was like so scared. Of, no, where to open a restaurant? And if you open a restaurant, you lose your investment. You do this one time, you have one shot in your in your shotgun. You have one shot. So if you missed it, then that's it, man. You just go back. And I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. I'm a winner. I, I don't give up easy. I I like to do things in a in a very scientific way, in a very uh, organized way. I'm an engineer by principle, so this is probably my uh, my logic mentality headset. That's how I, I learned and applied. So I I saw the food trucks for the first time in the, in the farmers market and. And I fell in love with that. That's so pretty. People lining up there. I watched closely and and saw what is going on. And oh, that's that's beautiful. And then, wh- where I bumped into uh, Katie, Kevin's wife, first before knowing Kevin, uh, which became my associate on this project of the food truck. And uh, and she she was the she was a mom with two kids. And, and she was buying something from the farmer's market. And, and I, by coincidence, I was there on the same stall. I think it was the uh, honey. Uh, the kids decided to run uh, crossways. So the, the, the girl, so she ran, ran like, a, like a duck over the street, heading toward cars. And I was so scared. And then Arius, her brother, ran into the other direction where the other extremity of the park will have also the street and another car. So I shouted at Katie, I didn't know, you go grab the boy, I'll, I'll grab the girl. And I ran and grabbed her like a small pig below my arm. And, and she got the, the, the boy and we came and then, thank you so much. And this and that, she hugged me. And, and then we became, she's, she's my sister, like she's my family. They are family to me here. The wow. first people that I know. Everything was by coincidence. Everything by God's, God's grace and God's planning. And and then what on earth? She took my number and then she texted me, inviting me over to their place, having dinner with uh, with Kevin and, and and hers and the kids. And and, and she said, if you want, uh, we chatted. She knew that I'm from Egypt. I'm uh, I'm a foodie and stuff. If you can bring a plate over, like uh, representing Egypt, that would be great. 
So what did I do? I did falafel. I was I had falafel done the day before for me for to eat on the second day's lunch. So I crushed them, made them. I I missed them. I couldn't find them in Utah. So I made some falafel, and then I said, "Do you have oil and a pan, and uh, and uh, I can fry and in your place?" And she said, "Yeah." And then I brought the the falafel dough, went to their places and made fresh falafel on on their place, and I had some tahini made, and some some hummus and fresh hummus or whatever. And she made like two three dishes, and then nobody ate anything but the falafel. Kevin licked his fingers. I remember him like. Man, oh man, what is this man? I said, that's falafel. Oh, that's the greatest, that's the best falafel I've ever had. And you saw I have this on the truck, the best falafel I've ever had, because I everybody eats my falafel. I, I heard this so many times, so I put it, boldly, I put it on my food truck twice. And then, um, and Katie too, like, oh my gosh, that's so delicious, this and that. He said, and then he said, you know, man, this is for sale. This is for sale. And if you don't going to do this, and not the pizza, I'm in, I'm with you. And Kevin quit his job as, a, as an experienced flight jet mechanic in the Salt Lake uh, airport or something a week before, see the planning, see the timing. Yeah. So he's out of job, he's waiting for another job to come that is yet not developed. They would pay him like so much money, like probably $60, $80 an hour at that time, lots of money. And then he was free. So, uh, so I told him, yeah, I've seen the food trucks and I would like to build one. He said, I'm with you. I don't have enough funds now, but I can give you my time. And, and he, he's, a, he's a great handyman. He's one of the best handymen I've ever met, not, not in the United States or Utah, but anywhere. He's so talented in his hands. He can uh, rivet. He can, uh, he's, he's a flight jet mechanic. He has the precision. He has the eyes. He has the experience. He's young. And he loves ski. He's, he's very athletic. He's very intelligent. I love him. He's, he's a great guy. And, uh, and and Kevin gave me from his time five months that were so much for me and worth in reality so much. How much you how much you uh, you rent a, a mechanic an hour? How much an, a mechanic? How much a plumber would take? How much an electrician? He's all that. He's all that. How much an electrician would cost you an hour? Yeah, right. and I would say like even right now it's probably like what 120 to 180 depending on the See? whatever it is. See? Let's yeah. say forty dollars. Let's say fifty dollars. Let's say fifty dollars. Kevin and I, well, I, I remember this so well. So I bought this two days short of the Christmas of 2016. We bought it. We we bumped into each other uh, as soon as I told Omar that I will I will not go to Texas. My my Egyptian American uh, brother, the beautiful Omar, and. So it was probably just just short of Christmas, and we found this on KSL, and all done by Kevin because I didn't know KSL, I didn't know anything. So I have an experienced guy that knows where to find things. He's technical, but the thing is, we went and bought the truck and took it for a spin and tried it over, and then and paid the the lady the money. Uh, she was a snap-on truck or a, a tool truck or something. And then we didn't reverse. We didn't reverse the truck, so the truck doesn't go back. So that the truck has a bad transmission. And Kevin said, "Oh, this! The, oh my God, we, we've been, we've we've been uh, screwed. This that truck doesn't have a, a reverse, man. And uh, we need transmission. And this is something big here." And I said, "Oh, a transmission in Egypt is not big at all because, guess what? You go to Ahmed Automatic, and Ahmed Automatic with his four sons." 
they were, you get him that I got him my uh, uh, an automatic Japanese speaker that I owned there. I don't remember what it was. It was like probably early 2000s. And then she had something in the gear and it doesn't go. Then we towed it to Ahmed Automatic and uh, at eight o'clock in the morning. And I got it at eight, eight o'clock in the evening with the automatic rebuilt, the transmission rebuilt. And he and he he and his four sons would go like an army. They lift they lift the car on the on the crane. They got the transmission down. They will open this brain thing and they will change everything inside. They will put it back and they will call you in the evening and say, oh, 6 o'clock p.m., 7 p.m. They don't go home before they finish the job. So it's and they would do maybe two, three cars on the same parallel to each other. That's that's how it's in Egypt. I remember paying with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like 800 pounds or a or thousand pounds. Well, this probably is, at the time, $120. You pay $120 and you build your transmission. And here people throw away the cars because the transmission is bad. It's crazy because the labor is so expensive. So anyways, so I said, that's fine. He said, no, this is not fine, but I, I can fix it. I'm a mechanic. And then we went and got an, uh, a transmission off of an old RV, very cheap, and uh, $400 or something. And then he... He's a mechanic. He dropped that transmission from this big step van, the big box truck, and then put another transmission. But it was weird because both of us, we got fooled and just got D and spin around and we didn't do reverse. And she was going great. And then we drove it on the freeway, but we couldn't go reverse. And you can't park it reverse. You see a spot, then you have to go nose in and that's it. You don't have reverse. That's <laughs> very, very funny. Anyways, that truck took us, uh, it took us five months to build it. Every day was December, in the cold, in the snow, in the rain. Kevin was there, eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning. He grabbed his coffee, black coffee. He's in the food truck, I'm with him. And we finish at nine and in the evening, 12 hours straight, 10, sometimes midnight. If, we, if we're passionate enough, want to, want to, want to finish something. So many hours, so many hours, uh, countless hours. Uh, and then and then the weirdest thing happened. By the time May came, the truck was ready. The truck was under my name. I, I'm the one who bought it uh, with my money. Kevin was a partner with me. Then we were short of some money. Then uh, another person, uh, Tyler, came and, and joined in, uh, a friend at that time. And, uh, and we were three of us. Kevin was the very technical on the foodie and the expert in food and whatever. And then Tyler was was financing and, and, and getting some more money because I didn't plan on, on, on spending any money or doing any business. I came to the States with $10,000 in my pocket. That's maximum permissible money that you can fly with. I just, by the time I rented an apartment and bought a, a small van, uh, whatever, $4,000 were already gone and between insurance and this and that. I have $6,000 left and $6,000 wouldn't get you anything. Wouldn't buy you even a, a quarter of a food truck, not, not even anything at all. And uh, weirdly, this, this truck was a couple thousand dollars. I bought, I bought the equipment from a restaurant that was liquidating. Um, unfortunately, it clo- has to close down. Then we went and bought very, very good quality uh, equipment for a very good price. We were short, like, just to wrap the truck, uh, we needed uh, $4,000 or something. So uh, anyways, story short, the May 17th, 2017, that was the first day we served. One week before that, 
Kevin got his job in Colorado, the one that he wanted and want to go, moved TKT and moved there. And I was left behind with no Kevin, just by myself. Uh, have my food truck, like as if everything planned. So, okay, that's your food truck built. Go ahead, start. You're good to go. And then T- Tyler was not his business. A month later, uh, he was impatient uh, uh, to see what is going on. And it was too much for him. So he said, Abby, just pay me anything. Pay me installment. Then the whole truck is yours. And then I found myself having my project uh, done, created all of me. I paid Tyler from, from wherever I gained, get him his money. And uh, I started having my business. And uh, four months later, which was the best thing that ever, ever happened, that we won the best new food truck in Utah 2017, where this was just like three, from May to August, just three months. And this is how America and God, God first is great to make all this successful and, and, and I'm so blessed to get all these gifts. But that shows, and this is something that you guys that lives here, and always, always listen to America is the land of opportunity, the American dream, uh, the U.S., America, America, and so forth. And then you might not believe that because it's harsh. America is a very harsh uh, working environment country where people would strive hard to pay their bills and, and make for living and live live with dignity and, and don't go to the uh, to the system to uh, to support them and get those aids and uh, whatever it's it's not nice and um, so people outside america would think that america is uh, people who's just getting money uh, off of the trees you just go and pick the dollars from the trees it's like everywhere no no and they don't know and, and they think americans are very pampered and spoiled well americans are pampered and spoiled in some in, in some aspects of life of course they are much better than so many other countries poor countries and whatever america is, uh, is the mightiest and uh, and uh, largest economy and largest country power-wise in the world. But but Americans are, are a very hard-working people. That, that the people don't know. And what don't you know is America still is land of opportunity, still is a country that is, is beautiful. As a beautiful mom or grandma, I would say, that open her arms and, and hug those coming, uh, seeking a new start, and a, and a better start and a fresh start like mine, and I don't I don't say this to compliment or uh, or to uh, bluff anyone. Or that's what I feel in my heart. I never I never lie. I never say untrue things. I'm very strong to lie. Too strong to lie. I think lying is for the weak. I'm not weak at all. And uh, uh, I think America is is a great place and a great country for all those uh, immigrants coming from outside to seeking a new start and a fresh start. And America, see when when she sees to be that, then she's not a good place. She's not a good place. She's uh, She will just be like any other place. Nothing special. It's too harsh. The system is, is not easy. Americans have to work so hard. You can get into a car, a car accident, a car crash, and then it will hammer you with tons and tons of... Uh, of bills and then and then if you don't pay them then you ruin your credit then you ruin your life in the states and nobody would rent you anything any apartment or 
or you can you can go and, and, and buy a car or get a loan or, or anything at all, which is these are the things that need to be changed. And I hate the term alien because I'm not an alien. I'm, <laughs> I'm as human being as anybody. I uh, and I was respected. I was not dealt with as an alien. I was I was welcomed from everybody here in Utah and the United States. I was treated with dignity. I was treated with respect. I was given a chance to start my own business and to become successful and to become renowned and famous in a very short time and even to teach in the university and some of the schools. Last week I was in a school invited over in Ogden to uh, give a class to uh, uh, sixth graders and I was so scared about that. So scared because I don't care like uh, teaching adults. So I do this all my all the time, and I trained so many people and taught so many people and whatever. And I can argue with so many languages. I speak six of them probably fluently, and uh, so I'm. But I was so scared on this occasion of speaking to those kids, and I will get back to that through the University of Utah, which is one of the most renowned and, and respectable places, uh, uh, not only in the United States, but everywhere. It's a great university, great staff, and great people. And I'm very honored to uh, to be part of the lifelong program since some years now. And it helped me a lot during the pandemic because we didn't have so much to do during when we froze all at homes. I was a friend with this Zoom thing that we're using now and teaching uh, cooking classes through Zoom, among other classes, language classes, and so forth. So I was treated like really well. Some of the terminologies and words matter, does matter, and some of them need to be changed. So anybody who comes here uh, legally, I would say even non-legal, non-legal immigrants, still they are human beings. Deal with them as human beings, try to see if they fit or not, send them back, keep them. That's something up to the, the administration and the laws. But they are not aliens. Anybody who seeks to come to America to uh, integrate and work hard and provide uh, his or her expertise or, uh, or experience in life, even doing something so negligible, so small, uh, his, he or she are human beings that are worthy of every respect. And, and that country and, and this place, from my experience and from my point of view, need all the contribution and more of these individuals. We lack so much in the workforce. Everybody's problem is to find a, a good helper or a, or a good employee or somebody that really wants to work and dedicate uh, himself or herself to uh, to work hard and and provide for their family every day. We need that in America. It lags the economy. It cripples the economy. It cripples the country. And so many people abuse the system. So many people just go and abuse the system with a bunch of lies. They don't want to work. They don't want... Since I came to the States, I didn't get one U.S. dollar of aid. Not one U.S. dollar. I don't allow it. And I would prefer to die before getting that. No housing, no food stamps, nothing. I pay my taxes. I hire my fellow beautiful American hard workers if I can find some. 
and I pay them with integrity and I pay them more because they deserve when they are hard workers, they deserve to have more. That's what happened to me. The only aid that I that I'm so grateful of was the, the during the pandemic, the the loans and, and uh, whatever they call the PP loan or whatever for companies and small businesses, because we didn't have a business. This is something that was above and beyond anybody. The, we froze no companies to serve by the uh, regulations and the laws, the health department, we can't go and serve anymore. We froze for a year or something, nobody can. So due this aid program is very helpful. And that's another advantage of being in America. Not, not any, I know people would say countries in Europe even paid more for, for the people there to survive and whatever. But other places in the world, other than Europe and Norway and those very advanced, small, tiny countries, because people would say, oh, Norway is, what Norway? What is Norway with all my respect to Norway and Sweden? How many people live there? Nine million people in Sweden. 9.8 million or 10 million people in Netherlands, in Holland. And they say, oh, the system in Holland, what system in Holland? This is this is 330 million people, inhabitant country. That is there is a continent. That's the United States. That's a, you want to you want to compare the United States, compare it to a continent, compare it to China, compare it to uh, you can compare it to Russia, you can compare it to India, but you can compare it to Norway. And yes, Norway have be- the best schooling system with Finland. Yeah, but Finland is, is 4.8 million or like 5 million people living there. It's 6 million at the most. So it's it's not even, it's a state. It's like a state. My country, Egypt, is a, is a massive country, big country, very strong country, very potential country in the world, very effective country because of the history and because of the location of Egypt is very central North Africa link with Asia and facing Europe. She's very, she's the center, the real center of the world, the middle of the, the heart of the world. Egypt has been always like this. 100, 100 million plus people live there, 110, 105, something like that now. So that one third of the United States living in a place as large as Texas. Egypt and Texas are twins. And I was due to go to Texas. But, so imagine imagine the Egyptians are living in, one third of America is living in Texas. You reduce the, the gravy so much with the cooking terminology uh, or the broth, you reduce it. One third of the United States living in Texas and not spread it all over Texas. We live in 6% to 7% just by the, the coast of the River Nile, Egyptians are so condensed where the water is because it's, it's a desert on the east side and the west side. Nobody lives there. One third of America is living on 6% of Texas. Crazy. And 93% or 94% of Texas is vacant, is empty. So it's a very condensed place. And though, although this, you can't compare Egypt to America. Still, America is so vast. And these things are are in the books. Those are things, you have so many things, an English author in the early 90s, I don't remember the name now, but that's that's a book that everybody should read, called The Span of Control. Span of Control. They claim that the Prime Minister of England, the ruler, the real ruler of England, supposedly the ruler there, uh, he's not, by the way, but... That's another thing. His span of control as the prime minister of England 
of, of the UK, the United Kingdom, his span of control doesn't exceed the second secretary out of his office. He would speak and say things and get rules and whatever, whatever, up to the secretary outside the doors of his office. Because when things would go beyond that, they would go into the hierarchy, into the pyramid, always the pyramid, right? And then it would go from the top to the bottom and everything will alter. And so many uh, barricades would stop and will alter and change the wordings, the sayings, the meaning. And it's up to, it's up to the officer that will pull you over or the, or the respectable officer in any airport uh, in the world or, or in America, in any of the states who would stamp the passport for the individuals facing him coming to the states or not, or deny him the entrance. It's at this point, the system is so weak and it's up to that person who is in charge to abide with the law and how he understands the law and how he is morally, and that's why you have so many TikToks and, and videos by officers pulling people and then acting differently. Sometimes they shoot the people and, and kill them because psychologically the situation would get intense for no reason or for reasons. And they would just fear for their life and that they use the excessive aggressive force of power and then it will end very dramatically. And people will do a huge thing out of that, which is which is very normal and, and, and very understandable. But they have to understand that it's not about the law. It's about how those persons are set and trained to face various circumstances and and how psychologically that adjusted at that day. If it would happen on another day, other situation, we wouldn't have uh, uh, Floyd or another victim here or there. It might be just different. The scenario would just change. You have an individual compass. It's very clear to me that guides how you choose to act in this world and how you choose to show up yes. and you have a specific standard for yourself. So how do we help people to develop a standard for themselves? Self-confidence, non-destructive self-confidence. Never ever allow anybody to degrade you or to pull you back. And every time they would tell you, you can't, then you know that this is a totally BS, and the right answer is, yes, you can. The Nike slogan, you can. You can do it. <laughs> Every time they tell you you can't, know that the, what they meant to say is you can, but the, but so many complexes utter this wrongly from their mouth. You can, you can, you can, and you will, and you can, and you will achieve it. One, self-confidence, undestructible, pyramid-like. Strong as the pyramids of Giza, strong. How many years? 5,700 years, 4,800, some people say, whatever. Uh, secondly, and very related to that, is persistency. Stubbornness. Be stubborn. Be consistent. Be persistent. Fall. I, I fell. I had 11 restaurants at one point in my life. 180 people used to work for me. I never, I never liked this work, though, for me. It's with me. They help me. I owe them. I'm in, I, I'm in debt to them because they came into their job every day. 
Some of them worked for me for 18 years, and I still have the pleasure to say that are my partners for 18, 18 years. Those people will work for me. Until now, six years I'm here in the States, still they work in the four restaurants we have left open from the 11, shut down seven. So imagine being the boss of 180 people, and then you have a food truck, and you come here to America and you do everything yourself. You're, 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 you're the mechanic, you're the electrician, you're the cook, you're the driver, you carry, whatever, whatever. Because this is life here. You have to be up to it. There is no pampering. In Egypt, I had a chauffeur. I had a driver and, uh, and I had uh, a cook and I had two ladies helping us at home, me, me and my ex-wife uh, and the kids ha- helping, ironing our clothes, hanging things and doing the, the washing. Who does the wash for you? Who, who wash your, you wash for yourself. You get your, your things done in America because it's so expensive to hire anybody to do this. And it's even uh, uncomprehended unless you're so rich and you're, you're, you're so powerful, you're, you have so much excessive money and you live in a different uh, style that is, is not very common. So to overcome any obstacle, you need those two things. You need self-confidence and you need before that clear vision. Should I do this or should I do that? You need, you need to have a dream. You need to have a vision. You need to have a, uh, you need to see a, a path around. And then, as as long as you like it, and as long it's moral, and as long it's something okay, go. You will be successful because you're gonna follow what you follow your passion. You follow your passion. Like I have passion. I serve people food that is tasty, always fresh. And, and food that I want to serve for my kids. I have two boys, and, and they come and visit me every summer here. Uh, they live outside. Uh, Yassine lives in, uh, in, in Munich. He's, uh, uh, he finished his uh, science degree from uh, uh, Montmartre, uh, France, uh, with a Bickler degree, uh, college. And then he went to do the master degree in the München Universität of Technik, which is in Munich, Germany, the second uh, most renowned uh, university in, in engineering and, and this aspect in, in Europe. Uh, he, he's studying his master of the biomedical engineering there. And he might come here and join us if he would decide that or, or stay in Europe or go back. It's, it's up to him. But he would, I hope he would, he would be an addition to humanity in, in a good way because biomedical engineering now is a very hot topic, you know, with all these viruses and pandemic and instruments and equipment that are, that are related between uh, engineering and, and medical uh, aspect and field. And I have Elias, he's uh, in, uh, he's in uh, high school. Uh, he's, he, he would finish next year, I guess. Uh, uh, he's 15, uh, turning 16, something. And uh, he's with my ex-wife there. So those two boys, I would uh, they come and they eat off of my food truck, the same food I eat and and I always always serve this food with a secret ingredient and I think that this above everything that I make to make sure uh, getting the best ingredients and buying the uh, most organic materials or most clean materials that I can find here or whatever I always cook and serve with love that's that's my secret ingredient always not one time I I serve uh, with 
uh, no passion or with bland feeling or sometimes when I'm very tired and exhausted, I wouldn't be as friendly as I wish. I would I would be like tired and and you would see me at the end of the service like this. But always I try to smile and to present the food. And while I'm preparing the food or whatever with love, I even pray. I even pray. When I prepare those on the background sometimes with God blessings and with health and prosperous to all my customers that we eat this, even behind curtain, I swear I do that. I swear I do that. And that I was I was taught from my grandmother. Um, and if, if we have time, I'll just say this very, very shortly. And people would relate to that. People that are spiritual and they know that the spirits, we human beings, we're all connected and we are all brothers and sisters. And this world is beautiful. The only the only thing that makes it not, not as beautiful as it should is us, is the complexities and the darkness that, that are within mo- most of us. Most of us have dark spots, but we we overcome those dark spots if we if we clear our mind and focus on, on doing the things the right way and, and doing the things with love. Throw love and it come back to you. Um, you, you plant uh, mangoes and mangoes you're going to har- harvest and you you plant peaches and peaches you're going to get. You, you plant hatred and hatred you're going to get. And negation and negation you're going to get. You, you wouldn't uh, plant a uh, uh, potato and then, and, 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 and then get uh, cucumber. It doesn't happen this way. So um, I, w- I would say that uh, those those um, bases of uh, of humanity, uh, love and respect and acceptance, those three things, those are enough to for for all the world and everybody, in my opinion, to live in peace and live in harmony. Just just accept everybody. Uh, um, if the decisions doesn't affect you, then then don't bother with them. Don't judge anybody with his shape or color or or faith or religion. It's not none of your business. It's not your religion. You keep your religion the way you is. If you're religious or not, that's up to you. And that's a relation between you and God or, or your creator, whatever you believe in or you don't believe in. That's up to you. Uh, you didn't choose to, to get your color. It's genes. And, and ironically speaking, if you go and do your DNA, you will find yourself having African blood. A, a very significant African blood, by the way, or, or Chinese or yellow or black, whatever color we we are shaped and formed in. Just do your DNA and, and tell me what happened. What, how you got 6% Ethiopians? <coughs> or excuse me, or 5% Levant, which is which is my country, my 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 region. Levant is uh, Alexandria and Cyprus and, and Palestine and this northern northern African thing. So and and if you have one percent, uh, that's that's a that's a straight cousin. If you have one DNA uh, compatibility or uh, ident- identical one, I don't remember how many uh, the, the millimeter or the microns or whatever. It's it's very very significant that uh, relationship. But if you have a minor one percent, then that's your cousin. It's just and and that doesn't it, it doesn't even need a DNA thing. We we all come from Adam. We right. all came from the same father and right. mother. We are all related. So go ahead. And I was going to say, like, the, the thing is, is that my my concern is that if we overemphasize something that we look like, that seems like a um, a distraction. Again, what, 
against our against what we really are, which is how we show up in the world, right? Deceptive. Yeah, it's a deceptive. It's a it's a false it's a false ground of judgment. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a deceiving error, and it and and guess what? And if you're in a boat and the boat is sinking, and and that person specifically a, a black, an African American, or a, a pure African African, or a Chinese, or a Japanese, or whatever whatever culture that you like, um, he's not like me, whatever. Maybe this is the guy uh, he or she that will pull you from the water. He's he's the one who's going to save you among all the people on the boat on the ship sinking, uh, Titanic, he's the one who's going to give the hand. He's the one who's going to put you on, on his or her shoulder and lift you up of the water, even if he goes sinking. You never know. And, and, and life taught us that this is really what happened. And veterans and people that, that went to wars and, and those atrocic, uh, very tense moments of, of life going to war and killing each other or like defending a country we have the memorial day coming and and it's a it's a it's a moment where we into all the world not not only america we have we have people that lost their lives for egypt and defended it's very honor it's the most honorable to defend your country and to to guard your country uh, against against the danger coming uh, from outside or or from inside but i, I would say that uh, those fellow uh, people who who will fight for their countries or being in in the times of war, ask any of them. Uh, the brotherhood is is only white. The brotherhood is only black. The brother is only yellow. The brother is only whatever color you want to se- segregate and, and 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 degrade people. No, it doesn't exist. The black guy, the Chinese guy, the Korean guy, the American, white, Irish, or British descendant, or German, or whatever, European descendant, uh, would all fight together and each other. And an and actual brotherhood is established from day one, not in the battle, but in the camp, when they are young, still training, in the training camp, right? And when they go in the battle, that black one who's, and so many of them, they have medals of honor, uh, and Arabs, and us, Arabs and Muslims, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, the, the terrorist, right? I'm a terrorist. I have a beard and I'm Egyptian and, and I'm Muslim by religion. I'm, I'm the terrorist, right? In, in the eyes of the media and the false media and the stupid idiots. Uh, allow me to say, excuse my English, but that's, <laughs> that's what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, 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 but no. And you have people that, that got recognized by the presidents of the United States for, for their excessive role of heroism and, and, and patriotism being, and we have so many of them uh, as police officers and, and people uh, the, in, the, in the army defending their, uh, their, their country and, and people uh, of, of law enforcement and so forth. And, and very, very good people, very good citizens, whatever. So it's all that, that matters at the end, in my opinion, is the individual, is yourself, how you would allow your black spots to overcome your personality and show off to the world versus how you would damn that because all of us, we have this evil thing. All of us, we are deceived by this entity that is among the people, Satan, they call him Satan or Lucifer or or whatever, or the bad karma, whatever you want to call that. It exists and it tickles, tickles and try to hide and, Try to oh, I want to do that. I want to do this or whatever. 
and all the morals of religions, all of them, whether it's spiritual uh, Buddhism or uh, or the Abrahamic religions, everything lays at the end on on those ten commandments. All of them. They again again with cooking, they will reduce with they reduce the gravy and reduce the broth into one word: love, 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 love thy neighbor. Uh, love to others what you love to, for yourself. Uh, don't look, don't look at your uh, your wife's neighbor. She's not yours. She's simply not yours. In the house, and if you don't have one, be a good person and try, and then it will be thrown in your way. That the right person at the right time, you will get her, or get him. But don't. It's it's not a way to cross cross bridges and and get something that is not yours. So be respect. In my religion, in Islam, we have we have that in, in, in the Quran. Lot of, lots of hatred is going there. Well, Professor Gary Wills, the head of the one of the heads of the Christianity in this nation and worldwide, I call him Sir Gary Wills. He's an American, but I knighted him because he's a very, very beautiful, respectful. Gary Wells is one of the most respectful people I ever bumped into and heard, and I enjoy so much his lectures. Uh, one of the the most iconic uh, Catholic persons in the world and in the United States, and he uh, had written a book over the Quran and whatever, and he said, and he said that I didn't find any hatred at all. It's all about the uh, love and and acceptance and whatever. Whether you have fanatic people that that does stupid uh, acts of terrorism and 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 fan- fanatism, this is everywhere. This is all over the the world and all over faith and and nationalities and and. We had this atrocity of of, of those kids um, just a few days ago that right. made my heart so heavy, so heavy, so heavy. Yeah. Especially that I was lecturing, and that's why I said I'm gonna get back to that uh, lecture or, uh, or teaching class that I uh, in this class in in North Ogden. It was quite a drive to reach the the school. A very I didn't expect at all what happened this day uh, at that school. Uh, and to my experience, I'm not talking about the terrorist, very tragic act on the, the school in uh, Texas. But that one in North Ogden, they said, what's your minimum to come and whatever. And I said, nothing. Would you like to teach? The, the kids have a, a project over food trucks. Would you like to shed uh, something on that and give us your experience? I said, of course. How much are you going to charge? I said, nothing. That I'm teaching the kids. That's of course, that's from me. I don't need anything. The only thing is you guys are North Ogden and my company policy, when we go remotely, we set a minimum charge for uh, so to make sure that it's beneficial and it's feasible for us to do it. So I'm not going to charge you that, but I'm just going to charge you the gas fee. And the gas fee is $100. You pay me the $100, that covers like going there, whatever, even if we don't sell. And that's fine. I, I still had like the gas and the consumption and the and the helper that is with me, something like that. It's very minor. And they said, oh, that's fine. Definitely going to pay that. And I was so scared. Those kids, like, what I'm going to say, 11, 12 years old. And I went inside, and they asked me about my... And each of them in the classroom, a car box, painted a food truck that he or she, the girls or boys, beautifully built, built them. And Shawnee, the beautiful teacher and uh, responsible of this class. Miss Shani was there, very welcoming and, and, and very positive person, beautiful person that I, I was very honored to meet. 
And then I answered their questions and I gave a lecture who I am, what's my background or whatever. And when they heard what I did and how I opened my food truck here, they stopped me full time and clapped. I was like, what? They stopped me full, yes, touch it. It was the most sensational. I'll tell you something. I don't, since I was around and I have some experience around the world, one of the worst thing that I have seen past, presently seeing and foreseeing to the future. What worries me a lot of this society, the American society, is the fruits of that society. The fruit are the children, the future of this country or any country. Why I can't, I can't, why I, uh, I worry, why I care, of course I care, because this country opened her arms to me and I, I feel a part of it, whether anybody like it or not, that's my feeling, that's my, and I like this country and I would defend this country against polarization and against the one mindset and non-acceptance, I'd fight that, to keep it accueillant in French, which is welcoming, somebody who is hugging, somebody who is, Accueillir in French is, is a beautiful word. I don't know in English would be welcoming. The fruit of the society is disrupted. Why? Because so many single moms, because so many irresponsible dads. People in this country and all over the world now, the relationships need to be adjusted, in my opinion, because it's getting selfish. And I'm sorry to say that my gender, speaking about the traditional uh, manhood, they would just not fulfill their responsibility anymore. And then they leave behind a, a mother or a woman that is pregnant and then she will have the, the baby and then might have another relationship and have other kids and whatever. And ending up, ending up here in this society with a very uh, true hardship of surviving and making for living, getting a job or two to raise, raise her kids and absence of having a dad or uh, somebody who, uh, and, and we say back home, one hand doesn't clap. One hand doesn't clap. You need two hands to clap. So I was very worried about that. And, and still, until I went to this class and I had hope, they gave me so much positiveness and so much hope. The kids were super, super polite, utmost manners and, and respect on how they talk and I don't know, I was just like very shocked with how positive this class uh, was and how those girls and boys, the young boys and girls of, of, of this lovely America g gave me hope of, no, this country will have better people than I anticipated. And because I, have, I knew so many friends, uh, mothers, single moms, with so much atrocities. And you can ask a, a woman, trying so hard to survive, then she would have the energy to come back and and, and then raise those, those kids with herself. It's an incredible job. It's a superman, superwoman thing. I can't believe they do that. It's, they have all my respect. It's tough with, with two, with the two hands cla clapping is so tough to raise a human being and uh, in a good way and in a good manner. And then they will just discuss how the drugs are, are this and how people would have anxiety and the kids will have this and the kids will have that. And, and uh, of course, so so what I want to say is that classroom in, in North Ogden, in Utah, 
has given me lots of hope. And that other classroom that was teared apart for absolutely no reason at all. And with utmost cruelness, savageness, and cowardness, and irrationalness, if I may say that. And having those kids just brutally and so fast, dramatically, wiping them off of the planet, as if they didn't exist, with all the families that were there waiting for them to come back and so forth. That is absolutely enraged me. And I was eating that day uh, when this happened to get some fish. I went to that Chinese restaurant where they have good fish there. They had the TV and the TV was muted. So all I all I was seeing the picture and some of the narrations and the captions on the screen. And I swear of God, uh, we, we have a saying in Egypt that uh, the bite stopped in his throat. The bite stopped at his throat, mean, meaning surprise and discomfort and whatever. And I swear, for the first time in my life, the bite stopped, didn't go. I was eating and the, it clogged like this here. I didn't cough or anything. I did, didn't go into the respiratory. But it just clogged here and it stopped showing. And I got tears. I was overwhelmed. And it's... I hope I can just like put some shed of light and hope, and maybe a solution. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that genius, but I, I think I'm clever enough and intelligent enough, intellectual enough to have an opinion as human beings, as people that love this country and love humanity, love everybody. We need not to invent the wheel. The wheel has already been inv invented since the pharaohs, since Ramses II and, and Ahmos was fighting the Hexus in Egypt some 45, 4,800 years ago. So what we need to do then? You have a premise, a building, a bank. More, upgrade the bank. What would it be? A Federal Reserve. Or a state reserve. Upgraded, it's going to be a federal reserve where the money would be printed. That's the money tree, the source of the money, the gold. You have a fortress. You have a house. You have a camp. You have a fortress. What's more valuable? Some paper, money, or our kids? What's more valuable? What's more valuable? Adults in a military camp that they can defend themselves and they are trained to? Or helpless, young, beautiful kids that represent the future of this nation and any nation? Who is more vulnerable? Stupid questions. Stupid, straight questions. Doesn't need intelligence. And they talk about the Second Amendment and the right to own guns and uh, screening procedures. And this is off topic. 
Oh, how this is not related. Yeah, this is not related. This is this, this is distraction. Those are distractions. The main point is, is to protect the premise. That's the goal. That's the aim. You set the objective and don't allow distractions. No distractions. Why? Because if you talk the Second Amendment, you talk the right to own guns or whatever. What about the guns that are already owned? <laughs> Who doesn't know that America and Americans, people have arsenals in their homes and mansions and, and, and houses, safes full of those assault weapons, not pointed at kids' brains and, and beautiful small heads. They are not essentially pointed at them. But one one distorted human, one of us, distorted enough, can do an act of crazy and irresponsibility like what happened, then cause, causes problems. And that's how you protect premises. The Federal Reserve and the banks, are, are the Federal Reserve is not protected because people have guns or not, because a specific group want to assault and, and take the money or not. It's just enough and more than enough protected to protect the facility from any assault. They wouldn't specify which assault, but any assault. So my very stupid, simple solution, stupid and simple in a both way, huh? and hard by the way, it's not easy, is to protect schools and protect the facility and protect the kids. Oh, and who's gonna do that? Well, lots of veterans are jobless. Lots of veterans, they come back, they don't have jobs. They don't have anything to do. They are trained. They are loyal. You screen them because some of them have personality problems. They come back with atrocities and, and PSDs and whatever. Don't hire those. This is, this is not what I'm saying. I'm saying you are the people that you screen and rescreen and rescreen, and you're 100 positive they are sane and they are intelligent and they are loving and they are caring and pay them some money for that because this is their life at stake. On every town and every small village and every city in the United States of America, there are veterans and people that served and ex-military and ex-police. I, if I resign, I will be one. I would, I would go and defend those kids with my life and I will pay my life dearly or not, willingly, and I would not die before I get this guy or anybody down. I will get him down. He will not get me. I'll get him because I will be vigilant and I'm smart and I'm seeing and train those people and, and shut those doors when the kids are, are inside. Why he can go inside? In Utah, you can't. In Utah, the doors, the doors opened for me and I was invited. I came with my food truck. I can go unless teacher will open for me. Shawnee opened the door for me. I can't go. It's shut. Secure the premise. So the shooting wouldn't happen in schools, at least in schools. It would still happen in supermarkets. It will still target minorities. It will still do and this and that. That's another question. I'm talking about schools because shooting in schools was something and still is so harming and so hurtful and, and so unaccepted. So unaccepted. Everybody's life is valuable and everybody's 
And I'm not talk, talking Black Lives Matter. Everybody's life matters. Everybody. Being a Black minority and having and having crucial and uh, special attitude and white privilege and blah, 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 and all this, uh, all these things. I, I, yes, yes, they, we, we have a problem regarding this and that need to be uh, addressed, but it happens all over the world. Everybody has these racial segregation, uh, racist, uh, degrading, blah, blah, blah. Even in my country, everywhere we have the same problem. All over, it's not a we don't invent the weed again. It's there. Every problem have a solution. We need to be willing. We need to be really caring and faithful. But but definitely the main goal and the main target and what we need to do tomorrow, today before tomorrow is to secure the premise. I might die now. Now as we speak, I might just being being recalled back. Hey, hey, come back. Done. You're done. Checking out. That's it. And you don't know. You don't know any of those victims and, and those kids, whatever. Who thought? Who thought they would not go back home? Who thought? It's so tragic. It happens. It just happens. So we're just very polite. We're ancient. And another thing I want to add to America. American thing is America is all the world. It's not. America is a young country. And don't deprive yourself with the privilege of making mistakes because this is a young country and it is a young country. It's 400, 500, six years, 600 years old. So you're very entitled and allowed to make mistakes because it's still a young country. Whether you're advanced or not, Japan is more advanced probably. Some China now is more advanced. What is, what is advanced? What is the definition of advancement? Our, our freedom and our uh, uh, style of life, or what style of life? If you want to criticize any country, you would have, you would need a book you, to write down. You need pages and pages and pages, and America is one of them. And, and we are ancient enough. I'm not, I'm not saying that Egypt is better or whatever, but we've been around for so many thousands of years. Some, of years, some of this inherited civilization inside us are, are so worthy are so valuable. So when some of us come here, that's good. And that's what America is all about. Italians, the, the Romans, the Greek, Chinese, whoever mentioned any of the Indians and this and that, that is a privilege having those people. So we take the best from them and learn from, it's not bad to learn. It's not wrong to learn. That's how great nations will be built off. I lived in Alexandria where I had French neighbors. In school, I had French, Italian, Greek colleagues, comrades and colleagues in, in, in the same classroom, or descendants of those countries, and Lebanese and whatever, very cosmopolitan. Ended up, I speak six languages. Speak fluent Italian. I had, had those people around me. And then we go to Italy, you have uh, Monique or, uh, or whoever, or uh, Tante Isabelle. Uh, French and then and and we all inter intermix those those cultures and then again you, you have beautiful beautiful outcome at the end beautiful beautiful society it's not as cosmopolitan unfortunately now but America still have this privilege America still have this mix pot mix so instead of segregating people and just because they they are different race and color and shape and faith and whatever no benefit from the positiveness of each and, and learn from each and then this will enhance you. And 
uplift you and, and, and becoming a better and better and better country. And, and still you have all the scope for that because it's a young, young country, young, beautiful country.